0: Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Country Music Made Me. Thank you so much for joining us once again. As always, please make sure to like, share, follow, subscribe to us on whatever streaming service you are listening on. Leave us a review, a rating, tell your friends, your family, your neighbors to come on over and have a listen. That support is huge. Today, we're sitting down with Trey Smith and Jennifer Fielder of Smithfield. Now, they came together about 10 years ago to form a country music duo, but their relationship goes back much farther than that. We had a great time talking about their past, their current EP, New Town, and defining success in a town that says you should find success in 10 years. So please enjoy our conversation with Trey and Jennifer of Smithfield. Welcome to Country Music Made Me. Good to be here. Now, I know that you guys have the cliff notes of how you met. Now, I want to dive in a little deeper. Where did the musical influences come from for you? Were your families musical in bringing that into you?
1: Yeah, um, this is kind of cool. Both of our dads on our dad's sides um, is where the musical influence comes from. So my dad has a family of five brothers and sisters and all of them were musically gifted. Um, two out of the five are actually music teachers and have been their whole lives. They could all sing, they, they could all, you know, being musicals and so music always ran on my dad's side of the family but my mom can't carry a tune so <laughs> definitely for my dad and, and trey you want to tell them how your dad influenced you
2: yeah my dad uh, used to play the guitar for us all the time growing up like all the time he'd play and sing for us so that was just always in the house um and his side of the family was very musical my mom's side of the family was pretty musical too so i kind of got it from both uh, both directions
0: so early on, did they guide you towards music or were you both able to sort of find it on your own, on your own terms?
2: I wasn't guided at all, really. Uh, I mean, music was always in our house, but they never really made a concerted effort to be like, hey, do this. Uh, it's just kind of something I was interested in naturally.
1: Yeah, your dad used to sing um, to you to sleep every night, right, though? Mm-hmm. That
2: was the thing. Yeah, he would. But uh, I mean, I just, they would catch me singing so, actually, I used to sing myself to sleep when I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? So, like, most people sing the child to sleep. I would just sing to myself and fall asleep. Um, so, I just always loved singing.
1: Um, my parents helped me a lot. I think my my mom noticed that I could sing when I was, like, three years old. I don't know if you remember this movie, but Sister Act. Yep,
0: yeah, of course.
1: Uh, <laughs> I think it was the second one that came out. Um, or maybe it was the first one. I don't remember. My mom would remember, but... Um, I would sing along to every song as a three-year-old and like be right on like pitch. And so my mom noticed that. And when I got older, um, we would always go to country music shows in, um, in Dallas, Texas. And I actually got to see like Leanne Rhymes sing when she was really, really young, maybe like 12 or 13. And I just remember, I think I was like six or seven and telling my mom, like, mom, that's what I want to do with my life. Like, that's what I want to do. So, as soon as I got old enough to audition, she took me to that very same show. And I grew up singing on that show till I was uh, in Smithfield.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was Star Search, right?
1: No, it was oh, called um, Johnny High's Country Music Review.
0: Okay. So,
1: Johnny was really the first person to discover her. And mm. lots of like artists that we you know Kelly Clarkson was on that show, um, Steve Holy, um, Lee and Womack. Um, Basically, if you were from Texas and you were in country music, uh, Johnny Highs was one of the places you would want to be on for sure. So anyway, yeah, that's kind of how we both individually started. And Jennifer, you started
0: performing out touring around the local area when you were about nine, right?
1: Yes. Yes. So I started in churches and then just really loved country music. Like I just said, that show I grew up watching was like what I wanted to do. So in Texas, um, we have like a lot of small towns that that town has an Opry of its own. So like our little hometown we're from Waxahachie, there was the Waxahachie Opry and the Dallas Opry and the Red Oak Opry. And so I grew up performing my whole life um, in Texas at these little Opries.
0: Trey, for you, you had a band sort of later on in late high school, college, I believe. So before that, what was your musical aspirations sort of early on and into elementary, high school? Did you have those early aspirations of making this a career?
2: Well, I didn't sing in front of anybody until I was about 18 years old. Oh, wow. I was uh, in my room to myself and shower singer strictly until that point.
1: Except for our family.
2: Right, Except for families, but like there were rare, rare occasions I would sing. But I really did never let anybody know I could sing or play guitar or do anything until uh, 18 years old. I got signed up for the high, high school talent show. And uh, that was the only thing I thought I was any good at. So I did that and I just got a bunch of compliments afterwards. And that kind of boosted my confidence to pursue music.
0: And now let's talk about the meeting when you were 10 and 12 at a family gathering was sort of when you first connected for what would become Smithfield. Now, during that, I read that you were actually supposed to be sort of meeting to date rather <laughs> than to sing. And so what happened with that?
2: Yeah, that was, that was my cousin. So, and it was a big deal because she kept telling me, she was like, there's going to be this girl, Jennifer, come to the party tonight and you guys should date. And she told me that Jen was the same age as me. Which she's only two years younger than me. But I went with the false pretense all night that she was the same age as me. And when I found out she was actually two years younger than me, it was a big deal. Yeah. And so I made a big deal. I was I was really mad at my cousin, like, I can't believe that you told me that she was in seventh grade and she's in fifth grade. And <laughs> apparently it was a huge deal to a twelve year old that they were two years younger, but
0: so did you guys sort of have any connection that night or was it more just the families came together and you were sort of in the same room
2: no we were awkward little preteens we didn't do anything
1: yeah I think we were both so like nervous and scared about liking each other or Mm -hmm. something like that but I will say it was the first night we both heard each other sing because like we said like fireplace was our first stage so Trey's dad and family were like oh Trey's learning to play the guitar now and he's got a real good voice so Trey gets up on the fireplace and sings and then my family my side of the family was like oh well Jen she's you know she started performing on this show in Arlington and she loves country music so we're gonna make her get up there and sing so we said we sang separately in the same rooms that night um So I guess there's a connection there because that was the first memory I ever have of meeting Trey, of knowing that Trey could sing because all these years go by and Facebook sort of is what kept us connected. Um, And I would always see that his rock band, so he joined a rock band right after high school and I'd always see his rock band play and he would always see flyers for me playing, you know, whatever small town in Texas, but we hadn't seen each other sing since that night. Yeah, so it's pretty cool. And Trey,
0: I need to learn about your hair metal phase. <laughs> Talk oh, me yeah. through this. Did you thought, um, have the flowing locks to go with it?
2: <sighs> yeah, I thought I buried that stuff deep enough where nobody would find it. But uh, <laughs> yes, the locks were real. They were down past my shoulders, and uh, they were they were luscious.
1: Yeah, his hair was longer than mine. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, it was it was very rocker.
0: And so the rock band that you joined after high school, you talk about before 18, not wanting anyone to know you sang. So what was it after that talent show and after getting the compliments that made you want to redirect and follow that path a little bit more?
2: I don't know, man. I guess it was just like I had been waiting for the go-ahead, I guess, my whole life to just pursue it. And No one had really told me that I was any good at it other than like my parents and stuff, which thanks mom and dad, but like got to take that with a grain of salt. And I think just after that, all of these, you know, this want to, to do it just left out of me. And I started wanting to write music and play music. And I started trying to form a band. And it was just like all systems go after that.
0: And so that rock band, was that uh college phase or was that something that you were actually focused on maybe this could be a career for me now
2: uh you know it was it was supposed to be a career that's kind of how i was seeing it i was like we're going to be a rock band and we're going to move to la or new york and we're going to pursue this thing and get a big and sign to whatever record label and <laughs> um but you know i mean as those things go in college like you're all trying to figure out what you want to do and what your is going to be and Some of them were just like, hey, you know, I love it as a hobby, but, you know, that's not really what I want to do with my life. And I respected that. Totally fine with that. But I had to be like, that's what I want to do with my life. So I need to figure out, you know, the the pathway to do that.
0: And you talk about Facebook and staying connected when your rock band fell apart. That's when you connected on Facebook to talk about the music thing. Now, I believe, Jen, that I heard that you said yes simply because you didn't want to hear it from your family about the fact that you weren't going to at least give it a try singing with Trey.
1: That is very true. Um, his cousin, you know, uh, she did Thanksgiving with my family for, for years. And she's like, man, I've just watched you two sing separately your entire life. And I really think you'd be so great together and I had never thought about being in a duo and I knew I had wanted to be in Nashville. I knew I wanted to do country music. Um, but at that time I thought, you know, it hasn't really worked out for me at this point. Maybe I'd be better on the business side of things. You know, I was, I was in between and when she had brought up Trey, I was like rolling my eyes. I was like, okay, I guess, yeah. Tell him to reach out to me simply because like our grandparents are so tight and talk and our parents talk. And it was like, if I say no, they're going to think I'm just so nasty and awful and mean. And so I felt like I had to, and I honestly, like I didn't know if Trey was really any good or not because (laughs) I hadn't seen him since we were 12 and 10. So yeah, yeah, that definitely, the family tie is what brought us together because if he had been just some random person, I would have probably been like, no, (laughs) no.
0: And Trey, what was it for you that made you comfortable moving into the countryside? Because it had always been rock for you. So what was it that made you think, well, maybe I should give this country music a try?
2: You know, it wasn't always rock. So when I was a little kid, I idolized Garth Brooks. He was like my guy. And I always listened to country growing up. That was the phase in my life I was in. It was all about rock and roll. But um, it was actually a guy named Keith Urban that kind of pulled me back into country because... He was doing a lot of things in kind of the rock realm with country and kind of interweaving the two and i heard his stuff one day and i thought man that sounds a lot like what i already do like maybe what i do can exist in country and then the domino if you will that like set it all off was i was in the car one day and i heard a song called need you now come on by Lady antebellum right and uh i heard that those two voices and the way they blended the girl and the guy charles and hillary And I just thought that was the coolest thing. And the the song was on top 40 radio at the time. So it was a crossover. And I just thought, what a a great idea. I love that concept. I need to I need to find something like that. And then right around that time is when my cousin was like, hey, you remember Jennifer? And it all just kind of came together, you know.
0: And what was the first meeting like? Was it pretty instant that you thought, okay, yeah, maybe there is something here?
1: Um, Yeah, when we started singing, um, I would say when you first came, it was kind of (laughs) awkward, because it's kind of like, yeah, you're, you know, your family told me you're good, you know, it's just an awkward thing to walk into. But when we, you know, when Trey brought out his guitar, and we were talking about, you know, songs that we both Um, no, obviously didn't know a ton of country, but I love Keith Urban and I love Lady A as well. And there's some of my favorite acts in country music. So when he was like, well, I know a couple Keith Urban songs, you want to try that? Let's just see if we can even harmonize together because you can have, you know, two great singers, but they may not sound great together or they may not have like a good blend, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but we really realized right off the bat, that very first Keith Urban song we ever sang, (laughs) we're like, Wow okay, we, we sound great together. Hmm. Um, And I remember our first show, like we didn't even look at each other. We had no idea how to be in sync with one another, but that natural, like God-given talent and the blend was always there from the very first meeting. It was always there. Yeah.
0: And you started in 2011 going down to Nashville, right? Mm -hmm. Now, was that for a talent show? Like, did you go down like competing in a talent show or something at first to Nashville? It actually was.
1: Was it a talent show? I don't know. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like a sh- CMA Fest like showcase kind of thing Oh. Okay. that I had um, I was performing in Carthage, Texas. And this girl told me that this I can't even remember the guy's name, but that he runs this thing during a big festival called CMA. A fest. And I was like, okay, well, that's cool. I've been wanting to try to sing in Nashville. I'll reach out. And so I had like a couple shows booked with him. And then right around that time, that's when Trey and I started singing together. And I was like, well, if we're really going to be a duo, um, how about you come with me and let's let's really try it out? Let's see if like we could fit in here. This is something we want to pursue together. Mm-hmm. So
0: And what was that experience like? Did that really <laughs> sort of solidify that this is where we need to be and this is what we want to do moving forward?
2: Honestly, what solidified it was when we were here for that show she's talking about, her roommate had heard us practicing one day back in Texas and she thought we were really good. And she said, hey, you guys are going to Nashville in a few weeks. I have a cousin that lives in Nashville and he works in the music industry. You guys should meet with him. And we just thought it was going to be some guy that just works out of his house and like, you know, is in the music industry right? and um, he ended up being an agent for William Morris, which is one of the largest talent booking agencies in the world. And uh, we went in and met with him one morning and he told us right off the bat, he was like, all right, you got about 30 minutes. And there was nobody in the office. He brought us in early in the morning. So now he's told us now that he brought us in that early in case we sucked, (laughs) Um, which we ended up spending like two hours in his office, played him some songs. And he was just at the end of the meeting, like, if you guys are really serious about doing this, you need to move to town and I'll help you out trying to introduce you to people. But the first step is you need to move here. Yeah. So we left that day, went back to the hotel and just looked at each other and said, let's do this.
0: And what did your parents think when you made that decision?
1: I think they were all excited because, Mm -hmm. you know, they had watched us both like love music our whole life. And, um, they just really wanted, you know, their kids to see their dreams come true. And I, I think that that's a really special thing because that's not always the case. Yeah. You know, a lot of parents would say, oh, well, you no, know, you, you know, make sure you get your college degree make sure you go work this job and this job and do this and do this. And I think there's a little bit of that in there, but, um, right. overall they both, you know, when they came with us on that trip and they walked in William Morris with us and they saw that there's like people, um, that really give their lives to this, that really move here and can really make a living doing it. And mm-hmm. I think when they saw all of that and experienced it with us a little bit, that they were like, okay, we need to let our, our, our babies fly here. Let's, <laughs> let's support this. Let's get them here. Yeah. And a year later, a year um, to date after that meeting, we loaded up a U-Haul and our dads drove the U-Haul and we rode with our moms in our cars and we all moved to Nashville <laughs> <laughs>
0: And Jennifer, you had been part of sort of the industry since you were nine and Trey, you were sort of in it since college. So that background, did that help you in moving to Nashville and being prepared for what was to come in the grind and what you needed to do? Or was that a real big wake up call?
2: Uh, I would say wake up call for sure. I felt like I knew something about it when I moved here. And I mean, I'm still learning to this day. I mean, there's always new things to learn about the industry. Uh, It's definitely a big learning curve when you
1: move here. Absolutely. Um, I mean, we've been through a couple record deals now and like lots of business things and contracts and like things that I never thought I would have to face. It's like, you know, then I guess I was like 21 or 22, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, that I look back on and I'm like, oh my gosh, I knew nothing. (laughs) I thought I knew everything and I knew nothing. Um, but I will say the experience of performing and probably your experience in the band of like fronting it and writing songs, I would say like that prepared us to get here and be creative and, and be good at what we did. Yeah, but that part of it. We've gotten, you know, significantly better as a duo, as, as time went on, just because even though our whole lives, we've done music in some way, shape or form, we hadn't done it together. So we really kind of, we grew up here in Nashville <laughs> as a duo, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Experienced a lot of life here, and yeah, yeah we knew nothing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and being a duo has that helped support you along the way in being able to support each other? Do you ever think if you had tried to do this as a solo act, if you would have made it as far because you wouldn't sort of have each other to lean on?
1: Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, I 100% think so. I mean, he's like my teammate, he's my best friend, our ups and downs are together I think I maybe lasted maybe if I was lucky a year in this town by myself um, for sure Um, I think it's just the way you're wired and I think that we were wired to be in a group duo team setting and I think it does it helps to have that other person go through what you're going through um, because it's hard you know there's no way to sugarcoat the music industry even if you have success quickly it's still hard no matter what level that you're at so i'm glad that i have somebody to go through it with
2: yeah i agree 100 i've always been kind of a band guy and always enjoyed being part of a group or a duo or something but it's nice to have somebody that's you know always going through the exact same thing that you are in the industry and able to kind of ping pong back and forth on
0: and can you count on one hand the amount of times where you got into a room and said you know what let's just go our separate ways. Let's become solo acts. Let's just let this all go like within the ups and downs of this career. Do you have those times?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, not to be a solo act. I think it's mm-hmm. more so just like, I give up. I give Whoa. up. <laughs> are we still supposed to do this? You know, yeah. you know, cause so many things that you think you're going to work out, don't always work out the way that you, you plan them. Yeah. And, and so you, you know, yeah, we'd be lying to you if we said we didn't get frustrated or, you know, it's no secret that there hasn't been a, a female male duo in the country space really break in, in about a decade. And uh, I think we're probably the closest act to, to doing it, but we still, I guess, quote unquote, haven't fully broken through with the radio piece. And so I think, yeah, there's times we get frustrated and we're like, you know, this is so special. Like why can't so-and-so see that? And why are we so, you know, all the questions that go through your head, but, um, and then of course, yeah, like we don't always get along, but the important thing is that we are open about it and we work through it and we've been through so much stuff together. I mean, we're honest with each other. I think that's why we've lasted, you know, coming up on a decade, you know, people are shocked when they hear that. They're like, God, you guys have been together a long time. That's impressive because a lot of groups and duos break up. But Mm -hmm. um, again, it's the way you're wired, you know, how you work with that other person, your communication um, and realizing that it's not all about you. You know, when you, when you can accept that, um, if you can't, you need to be a solo artist, but if you can, um, then you might be made to be in a duo or a group because it, it is about, the people working together and the decisions you make together for sure.
0: And did you both figure that out early or did that take some time to develop that give and take and realizing that this is a partnership and you have to have that give and take? Did that take some time to develop between the two of you?
2: Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was, yeah. There were probably a few knockdown drag outs in the very beginning where we kind of had to figure out where each other stood and how best to, uh, to deal with problems and stuff, just like any relationship in your life. You know, yeah, you spend a lot of time true. with somebody and you're going to figure stuff out about them.
1: That's right. Yeah. We call this like our duo marriage. Cause we genuinely have to make every decision together, whether it's songs or where we play or who we meet with or mm-hmm. w- whatever the decision is, you know, it's not all me and it's not all Trey. It's what we decide together. And um you know definitely fight like a married couple not fight but you know we we're different people at the end of the day we are smithfield but we're still individual people with our own ideals on things talking
2: about you know something that we're very passionate about both of us so it's always coming from a good place but just like anybody we don't always agree on everything so just got to work it out
1: yeah and that that did that took a long time i would say almost maybe I mean, we're still figuring it out, but I think after the first year, that first year is really hard to leave Mm -hmm. everything, you know, behind your families and be in a a whole different state and not really know anybody and just know each other on top of that, even though we've known each other our whole lives, we hadn't been a band that long. So Mm -hmm. there was a a huge learning curve that first year. But once we got through that, I was like, okay, I think we can make it through anything. Yeah.
0: And I was going to ask about the writing process for you guys, because You have these harmonies that you have to work out together. You have lyrics that obviously you want to resonate with both of you. And then you have the music that you want to be, you know, your sound. And so in the writing room, how does that all come together? Does it just depend on the right or do you focus on certain things as you go through the process?
2: Yeah, I think. It just depends. Sometimes we have something we want to focus on or there's like a certain kind of song we're aiming for. or There's something that one or both of us are going through that we want to write about. Um, And then sometimes you go in and you just start having a conversation and somebody's got a cool melody or a cool title or something that you just connect with. Maybe you've gone through that personally at some point or just know somebody that has. So I'd say it's a case by case basis.
1: Yeah, you know, we always try to bring in an idea to the right. They're not always good, but we always try to at least be prepared with a couple of ideas. Um, you know, Trey's really great with, with melodies and he, he's good at everything. But um, I usually come in with like a title or just an idea or a story. Sometimes that's Trey Again, just depends on the day, what we're going through. Um, but we really try to write songs that are genuine to us. Um, whether it's you know a song that is just all about what Trey's been through, or a song that all about I've been through, we we try to find a way where we can both have our voices in that song and in that subject matter. Um, writing for a female male duo is is a little bit of a challenge. It's very different way of thinking because you have to think about the language that you're saying. It's like okay, well, that's really cool, but a guy wouldn't say it like that or a girl wouldn't say it like that. And so it's really like, really thinking about lyrically, you know, not only what fits Smithfield, but also what fits uh, a male's perspective and a female's perspective. And then, you know, having to blend the harmony and everything. Sometimes we write with um, track people too, and that track will come back and maybe it's super, super poppy. And we're like, okay, well, this is cool. But when we get in the studio, if we record it, we're gonna have to, you know, put our own like influences in there because we wouldn't do it like this. So, yeah, it's just always different. It depends on who it's with and who's in the room and what we're feeling that day. Uh, But it's definitely a challenge.
0: Yeah. And coming into 2020, now you released an EP in 2019. And so coming into 2020, with the Newtown EP. Was that an EP that you were already considering or was it because of everything that happened early in 2020 that you thought, well, let's record another EP and get it out there?
2: We'd already been considering it for a while. In fact, we did a crowdfunded uh, thing through Kickstarter to raise the money to do it with our fans. So we actually raised $40,000. Oh, wow. Um, So we'd been considering it for a while and actually as fate would have it, the week after we had been in the studio recording the new town EP is when the entire world shut down.
0: Oh, okay.
2: We were, one of the, we were like one of the last sessions in that studio before it all just went away. And so we had planned the EP the whole time. What we hadn't planned on was obviously COVID coming in and kind of altering our release plan. Um, so we recorded the EP a full more than a full year before we actually released it.
0: Wow. That's interesting. Cause I was going to ask with, the EP, like if 2020 helped, because you were able to sort of sit down and, and find sort of the new the new you, because you've talked about this being 2.0, Smithfield 2.0. But that's interesting, the fact that you had it done before 2020, and you, you knew what you wanted coming into this year. And so that must have been a, a pretty difficult thing sitting on that for the year.
2: Yeah, it was definitely tricky to figure out how to do it and you know 2020 was a pretty quick year leading up to the um the pandemic shutting everything down because most of the songs on the ep we wrote between january and march of 2020 Mm -hmm. and then all of that happened
1: yeah it was really hard because we you know thought okay well we'll give this three months because nobody knew what was going on and we were like "Well, we'll give it three months and everything will be back to normal then we'll release it and then three months went by and it was like oh, okay. We're still in this. Okay. We'll wait till, you know, another three months. And then it's like November yeah. and it's Thanksgiving. And we're like, well, now people are into Christmas music mm-hmm. and we, yeah, we just kept pushing it back, but it honestly worked out honestly the best possible way it could. It was meant to be to come out this year, yeah. you know, a uh, new sense of energy. Everybody was ready to, to sort of, you know, get out of lockdown and, and live their lives again. And so I, I think it it worked out the best that it was supposed
0: to. Mm-hmm. And you were able to play the album release show at Third and Lindsay. Now, how did that feel considering the amount of time you were sitting with these songs to finally be on a stage playing them?
1: <laughs> I
2: mean, it felt really great.
1: Uh, uh, rusty.
2: Rusty, <laughs> yeah. It was uh,
1: like, oh, we haven't seen people in a long time. A little bit
2: weird, like to see people's reaction because they're new to everybody else and old news to us because we've been sitting on them for a year.
1: Yeah, it was exciting, though. I mean, we it's like we fell in love with what we had been doing all over again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, honestly, before the pandemic, we were pretty burnt out. We've been on the road for what felt like three years straight okay. in, in a sprinter van. So not even in a bus, if you can imagine the amount of hours spent on the road. Um, so, yeah, it was just a, a renewed sense of energy to be back on the stage. And I, I think maybe halfway through, I was like, oh, OK, yeah, I'm good at this. I remember how to do this. Mm-hmm. And
0: now that stage performance, talk about that and that connection that you try to make on stage because you talk about sort of your first performances 10 years ago and not even looking at each other. But I know now you talk about creating that connection that really adds something to the music when you're playing it live because of the emotional connection that you guys can put together on stage.
1: Yeah, I truly, I always say like, our live show is truly the magic of Smithfield. I think that you know it's easy nowadays with technology for anybody to sound great on a recording, Mm -hmm. but like we we truly are like, when you come see us live, what you hear on the recording is is gonna be pretty dang close to what you hear live, unless there's bad bad sound like that's out (laughs) of our control. But uh, if there's good sound and we're you know we come in prepared and we put on a pretty killer that's my favorite part is our live performance. Cause that's what I grew up doing. Yeah. Um, but I also think going back to our roots, you know, we have this natural chemistry live that just, you know, off stage we're pretty chill, just sweet Texas people. <laughs> like, you would never think that what we portray on stage is, is not us at all. When we get off stage, we like become like, I don't know, just like totally different people. Totally. We come to life and it's like this sexy energy chemistry and I don't know it's just it's so fun to, to, to play up and to do and be. Um, it's us being genuine it's just you know we really come to life on stage so that is the magic of Smithfield is hearing our harmonies live and how we perform these songs with each other and how we tell the stories together. I think you know, it really connects for you on what we're all about when you get to see a live show of ours.
0: Yeah. And as annoying as it might be to continually get asked, if you're a couple, if you get asked that by a fan after a show, is that a positive thing? Because you know, you did your job right in creating that connection.
2: Yeah, absolutely. That's what I always say. You know, if if they're asking that, then we did our job because when you're singing a love song, you got to sell it. You know, I mean, you can't just look straightforward, forward and, you know, never have any kind of chemistry or anything. A show is entertainment first and foremost.
1: Yeah, I mean, I love the, the fan too, that comes up and goes, oh my gosh, I know I shouldn't ask, but I gotta know. Are you guys together? Like just watching y'all. And like, mm-hmm. when we know that we're like, no, we're not. Or the other common one is they, cause we look a lot alike, I guess people think we're brothers, sisters, <laughs> <laughs> which is like the total opposite of what we want. Cause that would be super awkward. Um, but yeah, those are the two like, most common things people ask us. And, and yeah. I think that's, that's part of the fun. You know? It's like part of what we get to do on stage. And if you feel that and want to ask that, then like Trey said, we, we did our job right. Yeah.
0: And you talk about this album being 2.0. Now you're in your 10 years in Nashville in the 10-year town. Now, is it tough to gauge that? Because success can mean so many different things to so many people, you know, success could be making a living and you have food in the fridge, or success can be seeing your face on a billboard on the Nashville sign. There's it's such a wide range. So do you have to take that into consideration when you're looking within yourselves to see where am I at within this career? And what does it all mean?
1: A great question and Absolutely. that's hard to answer um because again we have different personalities like for me there's days and I'm like well I don't hear us on the radio and we don't have a CMA award and we're not in arenas yet because those are all like our big picture dreams but then I think about okay well if it all ended tomorrow would I be proud of what I've done have would my kids and grandkids think I'm the coolest thing ever because I've sacrificed you know, a lot of things like family and a, and a marriage and my home and everything to be here and do this with my best friend. I've played, we've played the Opry. We've played all over the country. We've had a number one record. We have been on the radio. Like when I look at all the things we've accomplished, I'm like, I have to change my definition of what success is. And I'm still in the process of doing that because I do want all these things. But at the end of the day, you know, we have been successful in a lot of ways. And so, yeah, we're able to pay our bills and, mm-hmm. and, and do what we love to do. How long can we do that for is TBD? But it's been 10 years. So it's like, you know, I don't know, Terry, what would you say? Would Do you feel like we're.
2: Yeah. I think at this point, we just always talk about creating a sustainable long lasting career, you know, because we have fans that love our music and we have an audience and we have a platform and we've been, blessed enough to be on platforms in the past to give us all that. So I think it's about defining your success, but I mean, if I can make a solid living, have a family and be happy and do something I love to do every day, I feel like that's the ultimate goal for everybody. Right. And then if the big pop happens along the way, if the arenas come, if the awards come, then that's the
0: bonus. Right. And now you're going to be heading home at the end of this month to play a show, correct?
1: Yes. Now, what does
0: that mean? Because you're just outside of Dallas. So you could play a show in Dallas and technically it would be a hometown show, but what does it mean to be performing in your own community?
1: Oh man. Uh, it's going to be emotional. I think because we haven't played there ever since we moved to Nashville And, you know, Miranda Lambert has a song called Famous. Everyone dies famous in a small town. That's going to be me and Trey. Like this town is our roots, right? Like we would not be who we are as individuals without this town. We would not be Smithfield without this town and our families knowing each other and the history. And, um, you know, we're planning a really special part in the show where we're going to towards the end, like show the whole town really truly how unique and special that this is, that two people have come together and done what we've done from this small town, Texas. So we're gonna give a shout out to our parents to stand up, then to our grandparents, our aunts and uncles and cousins. And then eventually we're gonna say, if you are a friend of ours, please stand up. And I hope that the whole town does so they can see like what this truly means to us. Um yeah, I think I might cry in that moment. But we're so excited to just come back and show all that we've built. And some of these people have followed us for a decade and they've never seen us live. Um so I think it's just going to be a really really special special show for us. Yeah, it's
2: going to be great.
0: When you talk about that success, engaging success, I imagine that show is going to be a great reminder of just how far you have come. And what you do have.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, you're a product of where you come from. And, you know, that's, we're blessed enough to have some good roots and some good people supporting us. So it's very uh, serendipitous to be able to go back and then just entertain them and show them what we've done.
1: I love that you said that because I think it will be uh, a great reminder for us, you know, just sitting here talking about, like, well, we're not in arenas or we're not here. But, like, to these people, we are there. And this show means everything to them. You know, we're the biggest thing that's come through the town in probably, probably a decade. So I think it will, uh, you know, it's easy to get stuck in the Nashville bubble when, you know, everybody in the world that is big in country music lives here and you get bumped down by that. But when you get out of that bubble and you see like what you've created outside of that. Like we need that as artists, we need that as people, we need that, like our heart and soul needs that. And mm-hmm. so I really love that you said that. Cause I think it will be a ma- major reminder that we have come so, so far.
0: That is amazing. Well, congratulations on everything. Congratulations on the EP and the success you're seeing with it. It really feels like, like you say, this is 2.0 and this is your time to take off and really gain that traction that you've been waiting for for 10 years, so congratulations. Well, thank you.
1: Yes, thank you so much for hanging with us.
0: Yes. Thank you once again so much for listening and thank you to Trey and Jennifer for stopping by and sharing their story. Be sure to check out Smithfield's new EP, New Town, wherever you stream your music. Please also be sure to like, share, follow, subscribe to us wherever you are listening. You can leave us a review, a rating, tell your friends, your family, your neighbors to come on by and have a listen. That support is huge. Thanks once again for listening and we'll see you next time on Country Music Made Me.